Welcome to another ATC Double Cut. I'm Michael Woods, the Chief Scientist at the Asian Turfgrass Center. I will take off this beautiful Greens Pro hat now and put my headphones back on and we'll get this started talking about a couple of the posts that I did in the past week. And, and there are a couple of my favorites that I, I usually do every year, which look at the top posts on the blog and also share some cool things that other people have done. And these are the top 10 posts of 2021 on the ATC website. And this is based on page views. And these had anywhere from about double to 10 times more than the average post. I did 70 seven zero posts, new posts in 2021. And of those 70 new posts, these 10 had the most views. It was interesting what the topics were that got the most views. And uh, I'm not doing advertising on my website and I'm not really trying to optimize page views for a business reason. I am just, I'm interested in what people are wanting to read about and i'm just trying to share information and it it's interesting i think that the top four posts in in terms of page views were all about core aeration or organic matter reduction but basically they're all about core aeration and and whether you need to do it or not basically and and to what degree you need to do the core aeration this top post from January had a title of no core aeration, no deep verticutting, and surprise, no summer decline. And it's an article that I reread after I read it first in 2011. And I read it again last summer. And I picked up something really obvious from the results that I had just completely skimmed over the first time I read it. This is about an article by Eric Irvin and a co-author named Nichols. And it was a study of organic matter dilution programs for sand-based putting greens, a USGA-funded project that they did at a golf course practice putting green, Creeping Bentgrass Golf Course Putting Green, in, near Richmond, Virginia. And they... They measured what happened when they did core aeration, when they did deep verticutting for three consecutive years. And they measured the result in terms of turf quality. And they also measured the result uh, in terms of what the thatch and, and mat organic matter layer was. I'm going to read a quote from this, from the results, what really jumped out at me when I read it last year. And something that I had ignored because I was looking for a different type of result when I was looking at it 10 years ago. So the quote begins, visual quality ratings at various dates in 2008 and 2010 show that the control plots, which were sand top dressed only, did not suffer summer decline as might be expected without core aeration or deep verticutting for three consecutive years. Statistically, the control plots finished with the greatest thatch mat organic matter, which was 4.3%. But this 0.5 to 1% increase compared to more aggressive treatments did not result in lower visual quality. I think that this is 
really interesting because we would take it for granted that in the climate of Richmond, Virginia, managing bent grass, I would have thought that you would need to do core aeration or deep verticutting to manage the organic matter to remove some of that organic matter and not rely only on top dressing. But they found that they did not have lower visual quality and they did not suffer summer decline. So that's the type of thing that I found really interesting and so did you. Um, and of course, I'm going to put the the link to these blog posts in the description so that you can go directly to these. And um, by the way, all, all 10 of these, all of these top 10, they are uh, a total of 28 minutes. Now, my website now at the at the top of each post, it gives an estimated reading time. So for example, the top 10 posts of 2021, this one has an estimated reading time of two minutes. And earlier today, I, I went to each one of these posts and it adds up to a total of 28 minutes. So if you were to read all of these top 10 posts, and, and I hope some of you will, it, it will take about a half hour. And it's some pretty interesting information about core aeration or not. And then the other big topic was playability. And I'm going to say that coeration and playability are actually quite linked together because if you need to do core aeration and top dressing to get the good playability, then that's obviously one link. And then also, if you are doing those practices and messing up the good playability, that is another link. So, when these practices are essential, when the organic matter management is essential, then that's really important in terms of maintaining the long-term playability. But if that disruptive maintenance, like the coring or even solid tine aerification, even sand top dressing, if that disruptive maintenance can be reduced, that should give more days in the year with great playability. And so some of the other articles that were were highly viewed this year included a stint meter love story, which is something that Chris Tritabal wrote. And that's a, that's a blog post that he did. And he includes his list of the things he's learned by stimping multiple greens every day. I never would have thought that that was a good idea. Chris didn't, he also didn't uh, think in the past that that was a good idea, but now he does and he explains why. So th that's quite an interesting read. One of the few things that was not about playability was the sixth most uh, viewed post, which was about a global DLI app. DLI stands for Daily Light Integral. And this is a really cool app that I put together at the start of the year that takes the satellite data of solar radiation from the NASA Power Database. And it allows you to find for anywhere in the world what the daily light integral was. It's it's pretty cool. And I, I made that app so you can get a free downloadable chart of the past year of daily, daily light integral. So you can look at the total photosynthetically active radiation for anywhere in the world, including the daily amounts and then also the weekly and the monthly summaries. And the other posts 
in May, I wrote about three reasons why I don't worry about infiltration rate. If I would have been doing this ATC double cut back in May, I could probably tell you why I wrote about it just then. Because this is a conversation that seems to come up every year. I don't remember exactly what prompted me to write it in May. But the three reasons why I don't worry about infiltration rate probably had something to do with uh, people saying maybe if you don't core or if you don't punch holes, aren't you worried about the infiltration rate becoming a problem? And I, I started off this post, which is a three minute read. I, I started off this post by saying, I understand there are a lot of different ways to manage grass. One way involves measuring infiltration rate. That's not the way I do it. And the three reasons that I gave for not, not thinking infiltration rate is really a great thing to measure. Well, we're not really trying to, we're not really trying to hit an infiltration rate. That's not the goal. It, for me, trying to get a certain infiltration rate as a target, that would be the epitome of a surrogate marker, meaning something that's not really our objective. Our, our objective is to produce a surface, not to manage the infiltration rate. The other, the second reason that I gave is that the measurements are just too variable. And I really don't trust numbers of infiltration rate. So if, if the measures are not repeatable, and if they vary so much, which I put some links and some quotes to articles there that, that show just how variable they are. And, and, um, Basically, the measurements are too variable, so I don't think we can really make use of them. And uh, in fact, the article that I that I quoted from said it is evident that soil variability in terms of water infiltration rate is a problem even on turf sites, um, and it's likely to give no more than a rough approximation. Certainly not sufficiently accurate to use as a criteria for irrigation system design or as a predictor of surface runoff. And the other reason why I don't think it's really necessary or why I don't worry about infiltration rate is because if there is a problem with infiltration rate, I think the surfaces will be too wet. So we can measure it by evaluating that the surface is too wet. The surface holds too much moisture. And so obviously the water is not going down. So I think if we look at the surface organic matter, and if we also measure the soil moisture content over time, that's another reason why we don't need to worry about the infiltration rate because we can we can pick up on that um, by things that we do care about by by measuring the soil moisture and by evaluating how wet the surfaces are. And then um, also on the playability topic, there's the five different ways to measure smoothness and trueness of golf ball roll on putting greens, which is a blog post that introduces a video. And this is a video that I was really glad to make. I was surprised that I haven't written or done videos about this in more detail before. So I was really glad to do this. Um, and something cool, I, I've embedded this on my blog and something really cool about the way it's embedded that I hadn't noticed before. If you hover your mouse, right over the the top left corner that shows the ATC logo and then the the title of this video which is how to measure the smoothness and trueness of golf ball roll it 
it uh if you hover over that it gives you a opportunity to just click the subscribe button right there so if if you're watching this on youtube or if you like turfgrass content on youtube and you're not subscribed to the asian turfgrass center channel i hope you will do that and you can do that right from the video that's that's embedded in this blog post you can just click the subscribe button and then the other the the other posts that are popular is another one I did last week, which is the non-comprehensive awesome list of things that other people did, which I'm going to talk about uh, next. And then the the final one was about the Breedy equation, which is also about playability. It's it's about making accurate stint meter measurements on on sloped surfaces. And I find that really useful. And, and I've been using that for a long time now. And, and I recommend that everybody as a matter of course, would just run all of their stint meter numbers through that equation to correct for a slope on the putting green. So those are the those are the top posts. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end about why I think it's interesting that coring, airification, and playability are the topics that got the most views this year. And I'm going to click over now. And just talk about a couple things about this this awesome turfgrass things that other people did last year. So I've I have a fun time doing this. I I got this idea from Jeff Leak on the Simply Statistics blog. I saw he did this off the top of his head like five or six years ago, and I thought, wow, that's really cool to celebrate some of the things that other people are doing, because basically my blog is about the stuff that I'm doing, the stuff that I've been working on, and so I deliberately try to think of what are some of the awesome things that I remember from this past year that other people did. So I put this list together and I've done this for a few years. So some of the stuff that's awesome and the people that did it did awesome things last year and the year before, and they've continued doing it year after year. I haven't repeated it. So you can, you can see down at the end of this post, you can go to the related, um, you can go to look at the related posts and you can see the non-comprehensive, awesome turfgrass things that other people did in 2017, 18, 19, 20. And you can see some of those about podcasts that I like or um, people that share great photos or people that wrote great articles, stuff like that. Um, a few of the things this year that I'd like to highlight. Um, let's see. The first thing I did was uh, Greenkeeper Irwin's ultimate guide to the automower. He wrote a multi-part series about the, the those little electric robotic automowers that really explains everything that you might have a question about those. And, and I thought that was awesome. Devin Carroll wrote about POA annua, about how it might not be an annual. And uh, actually, probably it, it's a perennial. Probably it's not an annual at all. Um, and that is is quite interesting. I hope to talk with her about that sometime in in a bit more detail. And there's a there's a really cool photo by Charlie Good of the 11th green at Pebble Beach. And this green was originally constructed in 1919 and he showed the the profile of that green from uh, what is that 100 and 102 years. So he said, it's awesome to see what a hundred plus years of root zone looks like. And, um, I think it's interesting. I, I, I 
I see all these layers of sand and organic matter, sand and or organic matter. And you can certainly have layers. You can certainly have grains that are more than 20 or 30 years old and still have great turf grass surfaces. I, I get the question sometimes people ask me how long should a grain last? And I know the textbook number, uh, what you'll see from the, the, uh, American society of golf course architects, they have their sheet of, of, uh, expected time spans or lifespans of teas, uh, irrigation systems, bunkers, greens. And I think for greens, they have something like 15 to 30 years or something. Um, but if you, if you maintain the, the green well, I, and the drainage system stays together, then the green can last longer. And this green lasted well over a hundred years. And I suppose that they changed it to get a, a few more hole locations um, and maybe to make it more consistent with the greens on the other greens on the course. And then uh, I'm going to, going to thank Bjarni. He, uh, he recommended that I get this microphone. This is the Rode Procaster, which is a dy dynamic microphone that allows me to record in really a pretty loud place. I, I, uh, I am near a street with some buildings around and not any soundproofing at all. And there's motorcycles going by all the time. There's uh, there's televisions playing in the house and there's various people going around making various noises and having conversations and so on. And Bjarni's listened to some of my other videos, some of my other audio content, and he's helped me with it tremendously to clean it up and make it usable. And with this new microphone, with these monitoring headphones that he also recommended I get, I am able to record things that pretty much on the on the first take, I am happy that I can use it, and I don't have to worry about so much of that noise. There's you know there's uh, tropical birds chirping outside and and various other things, and and it uh, it works fine with this setup. And he offers his audio engineering expertise to anyone in the industry. He says, "Need help with bad audio on your turf videos? I can help with that." says Bjarni, but it has to be turf related. So he, he can help anybody out in the turf industry with their videos, with their audio, as, as long as it's turf related content. And he's quite an expert about this. He's helped me tremendously over the years. And especially this year, he, he helped me to get something that works. And, uh, so now I can do a bit more video and audio content and uh, I don't have to send it to him, him for help so much. Um, I'll mention the American Battle Monuments Commission, ABMC, is awesome what they did, the, the videos that they made. Um, reintroducing, what, what did they call that? Um, it was something like a reintroduction to all their cemeteries around the world. And all of the overseas cemeteries for American soldiers are um, maintained by the American Battle Monuments Commission, and there is some beautiful turf in all of those um, monuments and cemeteries. And I've done some work at the one in Manila, which is just beautiful. They have 31 hectares of fine Manila grass lawn that's maintained similar to a golf course fairway. 
and it's right in the heart of Manila. It's beautiful. I've been to, I've been to the one in, um, I've been to the cemetery near Florence in Italy, and that was Zoysia japonica. I have been. I'm not sure if they do the, the. I don't think they maintain the one in Honolulu. It's mostly just outside the United States, um, but. I think it's it's very interesting from a historical perspective to watch those videos and also catch a glimpse of the beautiful turf grass that is produced by the hardworking people um, doing this job for the American Battle Monument, American Battle Monuments Commission, the ABMC. And I'll also mention Dave Wilbur. He got his turf grass zealot channel going on youtube where he's doing live streams usually on saturday night my time it's saturday morning in the united states and he's talking about turf grass issues golf course maintenance issues personnel issues um a lot of interesting topics about the turf grass industry and he's got a very professional setup with a nice computer video um and excellent audio is really a high quality production and i've enjoyed watching those i usually can't catch it live because of the time when it's when it's uh going but i'm looking forward to more of that from dave this year um with with the interesting perspective that he has on the industry so i've got i've i already mentioned uh this awesome hat uh from greens pro this is really cool uh, Greens Pro has done some really funny videos this year. Um, Paul Hurst must be a very funny guy when, when I get a chance to meet him in person. And finally, uh, Andrew McDaniel's lawn. He's got a beautiful lawn in Fukuoka. Most of his neighbors don't even bother with the lawn because it's such a challenging growing environment. But Andrew pulls it off every year. And uh, that's right in the transition zone. And he just has some splendid, beautiful turf. So that's, uh, that is a post that I really like about the, and, and, and you do too, by the, the, the number of views that it got about some of the awesome things that, that other people did in the year. And I, I want to mention just one more thing about views because it's interesting that the topics that got the most views on my blog this year, the first four were about core aeration and top dressing and organic matter management, kind of disruptive things to the putting surface. And a lot of the other ones, another one, the infiltration rate is kind of related to that. And two or three of the other ones are about stint meter, green speed, trueness, that type of thing. So they're about either playability or coring. And thank goodness that I'm not trying to get advertiser dollars on my website and, and trying to maximize views because I think it would lead to a lower quality content if I was just looking at what was getting the most views and then saying, okay, now I'm going to do more of this type of content 
and just constantly doing the same thing over and over because I knew that would get some views. So some of my favorite posts are the ones that are not in the top 10. And as you know, I write about a lot of different topics like grass selection or some of my favorites are like zoysia on the roadside in Thailand or the grass that I'm growing at home and what I observe with that. And a lot of the turf tourism things or things that I note about the way golf courses are managed in Japan, the way that there's the two green system in Japan on Japanese golf courses, stuff like that, unique things. I, I find that really interesting, but it, it struck me that a lot of the articles that we read online in the, let, let's say it's the, the news or the, the, the media that we consume it, if people are trying to optimize based on views, then they're going to see that some of the more controversial topics become, uh, they, they get more views. And then if you're selling advertising dollars on that, you're just going to keep churning out the content that is a little bit controversial. So, um, I think that is a well-known phenomenon and it just occurred to me that I'm glad that I'm not doing that because I would hate to be writing about core aeration every week. And so I've already said what I have to say about it. I've written what I've had to write about it. And, and I hope that you will enjoy reading some of those if you haven't already and that it will have some effect on, or it will allow you to be a little bit more thoughtful uh, and a little bit more targeted with the way that you're managing organic matter at your facility coming up in the upcoming year or, or sometime in the future. So that's, that's it for now. I have shared plenty of highlights from those two blog posts this week. And I am so glad that, that you read this stuff and that you're listening to me talk about it. And I'll be back again next week with another ATC double cut where I may talk about some of the turf Twitter analysis that I've been working on this weekend. Um, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm not quite sure all the things I'm going to write about. I have a long list and a lot of interesting things to continue to share. Thank you so much. <laughs>